I have to do work to undo anti-blackness as a black person. Right. And you don't think you have to do anything. Anti-blackness is, and, and racism is, that, that's kind of unconscious racism that's not just personal hatred, mm-hmm. is part of learning to be more conscious. Like it's part of inner work and it's part of, if you're interested in your personality, then you need to be interested in class and race and sex and gender. You'd be interested in those kind of biases just the same way we're supposed to be interested in our inner life biases. The Big Hormone Enneagram. Hi, I'm John Lukovic, uh, sexual self-pres for the five-wing, four-five-eight trifix. Hi, I'm David Gray, self-pres sexual nine with one nine seven four trifix. What up? It's Emika. I'm an eight-wing seven, sexual self-pres with eight five four fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy. I am a self-pres social three wing four with a three six nine trifix. If you like our podcast, guys, make sure you go like and subscribe us on the Apple Podcast app. And if you really like us, you should definitely leave us a review. What are we doing again? We are. (laughs) (laughs) This is great to us to a great start. I think it's worthwhile um, talking about all the protests and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because it's like the thing happening. Right. I think that, and it's related to an earlier podcast episode we did, but that you know, our class and race are like personality types in themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm. And I think that, you know, most, as we've complained about, like most people into the Enneagram, except for like this younger wave, uh, the older generation is like middle class and white. And uh, there's a thing in, we talked about like how just in white people in general, there can be like a don't talk about certain things. quality and like in in inner work it's this in enneagram it's like the same deal where like somehow when it comes to talking about class and social responsibility or like these kind of bigger political issues or ideology it's like oh but we ought to be really nice and accepting there like we can't talk we it's like using spiritual ish principles of niceness to keep certain conversations from happening so that you can like talk about change and growth and change and growth, but don't yeah. actually change and challenge and make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yep. People don't realize that they have this massive privilege to just not talk about it. Yeah. And it's like, like right. people, people don't want to talk about it and they say, Oh, I don't want to talk about that. I don't, you know, it's just going to cause like issues. And it's like, yeah. And you get to go home and not worry about getting stopped by the police and shot. Like this is your privilege. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like someone uh, I saw a white mom who had a black son say that, you know, that she was trying to reach out to white women to say that you would be burning things down if it was your son or your daughter that was right. killed and the world got to watch. Like there's some separation with the ways white people are reacting. Like they don't understand why people or why people are so angry in the streets. It's like, do you not understand that people who you don't have people who look like you that are getting killed senselessly by the police? Like, you can't watch or see a photo of what happened to know that someone's life was taken because, you know, a cop put his knee on his neck for nine minutes and killed him. Right. And like that is if that doesn't infuriate you, then how do you care about life at all? <laughs> yeah. And part of this, quote unquote, personality type of being white 
is to identify with the owners of capital and property. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, there's an automatic, like when people say looters, unconsciously, white people identify with the people being looted from. Right. And they think, oh, isn't that so awful to be looted from? Meanwhile, they're not identifying or empathizing with the black people fucking murdered. Yep. So everybody feel like online, everybody felt this need to like condemn looting and like, you know, all it does is serve to make you feel better about whatever you get to condemn and feel above yes. and not understanding one looting is just what happens when there's a social breakdown. And mm-hmm. if you murder people without, with impunity and with just like, just getting a license to kill people. That's <laughs> a fucking a social, social breakdown. breakdown. And when you pe- put people in quarantine and you don't give them any fucking money yep. and you lose their jobs and their work, there's going to be a social breakdown. So if, people, if, if white people were looting, it'd be a totally different fucking story. But this was a way that white people could be online and like weigh in their thoughts of solidarity with the cause, but also kind of like, you know, go, oh, but I don't condone looting and, and almost make it seem like looting was somehow an invalidation of any sense of like being able to aside with people who are obviously overtly and blatantly being oppressed. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like, it's cowardly. Yeah. And you notice that, that while all that looting, the stories of looting were, were happening, the media was highly focused on it. And exactly. that kind of shit has died down. Like that's not happening anymore. And the media has diverted attention from these protests because it's like, you don't actually want to face the real reason why people are upset. It's like, you know, similar to the way people approach the Enneagrams like, you talk about not a four and people start making deflections about, oh, you're, you're too mean about the way you're doing this, like tone policing and all these other things. It's like it's a way to not actually deal with the central problem because it's uncomfortable. Uh, so all this, but the looters and all this other, it's just a deflection. People don't want to talk about race. People don't want to talk about police brutality against black and brown people. They, they don't want to talk about, um, they don't want to actually deal with that problem. Well, they don't want to deal with the problem that they are also racist yes <laughs> yeah i mean no, that's I mean, it you know they, it's the same thing with the enneagram they don't want to do the inner work they just want to say they're doing the inner totally. work. totally yeah. yeah yeah i mean emica i think you brought up that it, being not racist is not just like a passive like i don't hate black people but it's actually like working yes counter the racism that we just naturally have as a product of being conditioned in this society right. It's, yeah. it's huge. Even as a black person, this is something that I have to work on because anti-blackness is in the air. And it's hard to explain sometimes to people like what that feels like of having to feel like you need to justify your place. And it's not even a conscious thing. It's like an unconscious reminder that you are not what's expected and you have to justify so all these expectations that are put out in the media like okay let's say like black people aren't supposedly educated so you on some level internalize that and so let's say you're sending an email this is something my sister told me she's sending an email and she's like doing extra work to check the grammar you know Mm -hmm. maybe like being like you're not giving the benefit of the doubt right like you're not you can't fuck up where white people um, seemingly grow up with the impression that they are the standard, that this world was created for them. The system was created for them. So there's no self-doubt and just like, you know, the, 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 the confidence that a Chad, a white Chad has just like put up videos and just show his face and be like, just put up whatever bullshit that he wants to share with the world and not even think for a second that 
people won't receive it. Whereas as a black person, yeah. you have to feel like I need to be exceptional. How is this going to be perceived? Yeah. You're, you're like already unconsciously representative somehow. Right. Yeah. Like you internalize the sense of otherness <laughs> that you have to justify. And I realized that some of the things that I said about eights as a re rejection type, you know, some of this is just being black. Some of this is yeah. knowing that mm. I have to justify my place on some level. I'm not on some level supposed to be here. Like, and it's, it's internalizing some sense of I'm not central. Yeah. They're central. And so I have to justify myself and that's internalized race. Yeah. And so it's like, it's, it's like an overlay personality that I have to <laughs> work on. It's like, I, you know, let's say I want to be messy because that's just the way I want to be. But then it's like, I have to think about, well, black people, people think black people um, are poor if they're that way. Right. But white guys don't think about that kind of stuff. Yeah. They can just dress like hobos and nobody thinks that they're poor. They think they're fashionable. Exactly. So that's, yeah. that's kind of like the kind of stuff that I have to undo. It's like, where is that coming from? I didn't learn that in a book. That's just something I absorbed from being in a, you know, sort of white centric society. What? I was part of a uh, race unity group about... 30 years or so ago. And one of the things that was interesting was uh, a black person saying that when they got an, on an airplane one time and they saw a black pilot getting on the plane, that mm -hmm. that made them concerned that it was a black guy, right? <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Which that was like, wow, I hadn't even thought of that, of course, you know? Yeah. So even black people have internalized racism. So if I yeah. have internalized racism, and then compared to someone who's white, who the system is there to reinforce your own sense of this, you know, the center or superiority or whatever, like you have it even way more than I do. And yeah. so like the idea that you don't think that you have to do work to undo that um, is completely idiotic and ignorant. It's like I have to do work to undo anti-blackness as a <laughs> black person. Right. And yeah. you don't think you have to do anything. Yeah. Well, I think that. You know, from my perspective, anti-blackness is and, and racism is that that's kind of unconscious racism that's not just personal hatred mm -hmm. is part of learning to be more conscious. Like it's part of inner work and it's part of if you're interested in your personality, then you need to be interested in class, in race, in sex, and gender. You'd be interested in those kind of biases just the same way we're supposed to be interested in our inner life biases. Yes. And so mm -hmm. like a lot of times I think white people feel like they, they want to be good. And like, you know, there's this, okay, well, I don't feel re revulsion against any black people. And like, <laughs> I don't feel like I think negatively about black people. It's like, I feel good. And same thing we talk about with levels of health, for example, yeah. it's like, oh, I must be healthy because I have a good attitude. And yes. the level of health is not a measure of attitude. You can be miserable and whatever, and still have a high level of health. It's not about being nice. You know, and then there's also like another kind of version of this is acting from like, I need to just erase my guilt and like putting links to black businesses on my Instagram page, you know, which I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that's like there, there can be an action that's like trying to erase it rather than confront it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 It's people don't I don't think people want to even black people don't want to address how deep of an issue is it is. It's like figuring out your type. Some people want to stay at the top level descriptions and be comfortable with sort of these things that can, they can read and barely understand and move on. Um, but knowing your Enneagram type is like, you start getting deeper and knowing that this, this is a whole dynamic and there's another layer 
and another layer. And then you realize this is the kind of psychological work that I'd have to do to, to have a handle on this. And so like when it comes to racism, it's not enough to be like, oh, I'm just, I'm just going to make a decision to not hate black people. It's, it's so subtle. Sometimes, you know, black people feel like only other black people can really understand what black people deal with. Most black people aren't necessarily, um, worried about dying at the hands of the police, even though that's possible, it's unlikely to happen. It's like what you'd have to deal with on a daily basis that only maybe another black person truly understands like what it feels like to walk into a room. No one is looking at you, but you know that everyone is aware of your presence and is actively ignoring you. It's a very weird sensation, but every black person knows what that feels like. It's almost like a a hidden contempt you know, that's, that's just out there when you're in a white space. And so when I say something like that to someone who's white, who doesn't have any fucking clue about their own or any awareness of what the way things are like, you know, people get really defensive and they start saying things like, you know, racism is all over the world. You know, we deal with like this. That makes it okay. Yeah. It's like, you know, this is a universal problem. We all are prejudiced <laughs> in some kind of way. It's just to stop, stop us from talking about anti-blackness to stop talking about this problem that's here right now (laughs) yeah i keep saying it but i just for like because of listeners but (laughs) i feel like examining these kinds of perspectives biases and feelings is the same exact work as what we're trying to do with the enneagram so like to me yeah it doesn't seem different where you're trying to confront things and be impartial with yourself like like, how do I see that I'm participating in and acting out anti-blackness, for example, in, in a way that I'm not aware of? And yes. so, like, like I, I can't, I can feel bad about it, but I can't just use it as an excuse to attack myself because I'll, I'll use that excuse to shield myself. It's like going to hurt too bad to even see it. Yes. It's prevent me from being curious about it. And it's going to be this, this sort of moral penance quest where yeah. I'm... I'm like, you know, kind of performing allyship or whatever and using one, one thing always like, I mean, people, people have their own feelings, but, but whenever people talk about like black bodies and brown bodies, it, it always sounds a little morbid, like, like sounds super morbid. It's just like talking about bodies instead of people. It just sounds weird, but um, <laughs> you know, they start adapting a certain language and it's sort of, which, you know, whatever, but it's like, uh, there's a way to address it and then there's a way to overcompensate for it it's just like the personality types where it's like you're addressing something versus like oh i'm a seven i'm out of control let me go to one to kind of control myself yeah or just or just performative you know yeah. saying that i'm dealing with it like the democrats kneeling with those can take clods it, it's <laughs> yeah like not, i feel like that was not cool it's uh, that was offensive to me <laughs> yeah I, I saw that and i was like i don't think that's okay guys because it's like levels it's like different they don't even know that they're acting out something that's a meme within the black community like people make fun of performative black people that are doing performative pro-blackness with hotep whatever and one of those things is wearing kentek cloth and so you've got democrats kneeling like they don't even fucking understand what those things mean so it's another level of i'm just performing pro-blackness when i have zero intention of making any changes whatsoever so just it reminds me of how people in the Enneagram will t- sometimes say, oh, I'm healthy, but they're not actually they don't have any intention of doing any work. They don't have it because it's difficult. It's hard to actually confront yourself, but they're just going to skip to the end. And say, I'm, I'm a healthy person, um, but they're not actually making any changes. And so I see a lot of 
parallels with the way people deal with something like this with the way they deal with inner work. It's, it's very similar. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's not about reaching the summit pinnacle of I'm no longer racist because it's the mm-hmm. same thing with reaching trying to reach the pinnacle of like I'm enlightened. It's like no matter how long you've been doing inner work, no matter who you are, no matter how deep it is, you're going to be a dickhead sometime. Yeah. Yep. You know, like, and so the aim is not to not like to to pretend like, and I mean all the you know guru shit and all that kind of stuff. It's like when people start seeing themselves or other people start seeing people as over the finish line. Uh, you're you're deluded yourself. You know, like the part like uh, inner work and outer work or whatever you want to call this cultural work is about continuing to have the willingness to confront where you're asleep. Yep. My friend and I were talking about this, I think yesterday, and we were saying as a white person, if you aren't constantly asking why you're having that thought, you're being racist. Yeah. Because like, you have thought? like a, like an assumption. Like if if you hear on the news that someone broke into something, you instantly think, oh, you Im- you imagine that person in your head as a black person and you don't instantly think, why am I thinking that? Mm-hmm. You're yeah. being a fucking racist. Yeah. yeah. And it's like in all white people are doing that because we've been conditioned to yep. do that. Yeah. So if you aren't constantly asking yourself why, why you're having that thought, you aren't doing any work. Yeah. And even amongst black people, let's say I hear a story like that. Usually, maybe my first thought is, man, I hope he's not black. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. so it's like, where does that come from? Because it's like the media has just pushed this thing in our face, in our face. And so you just, the images that we conjure up when we think of crime have been black people. And so when it's not black people, we're surprised. And so it's just, it's just continuously reinforcing itself. And it's the same thing with the media that we consume, like for the longest time. And we have more diversity now, but for the longest time, like all leading men and leading women are white. I mean, even as a black person growing up, like that has a huge effect on you. Like, you know, the movies that you watch and the the um your favorite film characters or whatever are white people and um that has some impact in terms of as a sexual type for example like in terms of beauty standards just as a teenager that's like a very uh pivotal time in terms of insecurity around yeah around your self-image and so like i remember there was a period of time where i wished that i had certain features that were different you know like just because you're growing up and you just feel awkward and you're just thinking, oh, I wish my nose was like this or whatever and this like that. And this is just like so stupid. But I'm like, I'm surrounded by white people. I, I watch, you know, white films. And so like what's being put in my face in terms of beauty standards is I'm unconsciously absorbing that this is what I'm supposed to look. And like you don't realize that that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's, you know, it's addressing sort of the unconscious layers of, you know, like a racial bias that makes can make someone who is black for example feel uncomfortable in their own skin and this is like on a level that you're not even conscious of you can't even you have to actively try to unpack where those feelings might come from because you're just sort of taking it in because it's just all around you so i mean if if that's something that i have to be aware of and i have to do work on it's like white people have to do that <laughs> yeah if you have to do work on it we have to fucking do some work <laughs> well, listen, i i watched black panther and i enjoyed it <laughs> so that means you have you watched it twice summit. <laughs> in theaters okay some heavy lifting right. <laughs> you yeah. voted for obama the second time yeah <laughs> but maybe yeah. not the first um another piece of this too is that people have 
you know, one, I haven't seen this as much, especially as time has gone on, because we've seen more videos of police just being flat out abusive assholes. Mm-hmm. Um, but people would be like, well, the police have really hard jobs. And <laughs> again, that's a white kind. There's a whiteness there because, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, maybe some cops do like yeah. I can imagine. And I'm not saying it's like one way or the other, but there's an identification with those who enforce the structures that maintain the society. Yep. And, you know, the reason we have police, it stems from slave catchers and it stems from it. Policing is inherently tied into property ownership and property control. And I live in Bushwick and to get to my friend's bar Marina, who, you know, we had on the call before uh, I have to walk through these projects and they are like, it's like an occupying force. Like there are police cars with the lights on all times of the night. And these like New York City kind of uh, like, they're like these big lights shining everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it looks like an occupying force. And I think that uh, there is a way in which, I don't know if this is true for all black people, but I think that there's a way that black people can feel like they are an occupied colony within a, the, the imperial core of an empire or something. Mm-hmm. And that they're the ones that a lot of the policing energy and maintaining society energy is directed against. The sort of their existence becomes like the negative force to the active force of the state. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's um that's why I get really upset whenever people say stuff like black on black crime and they don't realize how the state and the system conspires to create crime and you know, focuses all their energy in policing black communities. Um, like even here, in, it's so it's such a stark contrast here in Chicago because on the north side, that's where all the white people are at. And if you go to the south side or you go to the west side, that's where every cop is. Like if you drive to the south side, there are cops everywhere. And so there, people say, well, that's where the crime is concentrated. Well, it's like, how do you think that happens? Like right. when you look at city planning, Crime is concentrated in this part of the in this part of the city because it's poor. And why is it poor? Because the city keeps it that way. Like they they don't divert resources to those parts. And there's not enough schooling. There's not edu- there's not enough education. There's not enough opportunity. So people, of course, are going to do what they need to do to survive. It's like if you were white and you were in a poor neighborhood, guess what? You'd be doing the same thing. So this is not a black thing. This is like a, an environmental thing. But it's like in, the cops go to those areas and they're more likely to, to lock up black people. So what do you have? So you have a bunch of black people going to prison. And of course, the media puts that stuff in our faces. And so it's this fucking cycle. It's like, so when and you think black people, you think crime and poverty and... And, and class <laughs> analysis has to be in here and understanding things like historically, like redlining and, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. like, you know, we just passed like the anniversary of the Tulsa, Oklahoma bombing. You know, oh, like where they just fucking massacred people. And I, you know, I, so I, I'm from, I was, grew up in Georgia and, uh, you know, I've been sharing cop shit like crazy on social media and found this like Twitter, like screenshots of a Twitter thread of, I think a writer from the root, like the online, whatever. And, uh, he was talking about all these different, basically race wars that we had after the civil war, where we all kind of pretend like, okay, after the civil war, <laughs> racism, racism was gone. It was yeah. a little bad, but like we kind of got over, but there was actually wars no. between the KKK no. and different militias. And, and there was this whole thing where 
black people were actually voting in a lot of black politicians. Yeah. And so the KKK <laughs> would launch, would would have full on wars again. And like there are some of them are literally like I don't even remember the names, but they're like they have I a name in battle. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even call them wars. These are fucking massacres. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They were just, yeah. They were hunting and killing <laughs> black people. Like just just like the government couldn't. It was maybe okay. Maybe you say that it's a war with the U.S. government because the government, of course, didn't want them to do this, but they were fighting for the rights to be able to kill black people. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. No, I mean, <laughs> the, the, it was sanctioned by the U.S. government, but it was like they would like they would have like these like so you know it'd be different factions of the U.S. government because there would be because there was black representation in the government, and so mm-hmm. you know it'd be some of them versus like all the white people versus the KKK that were working with the white people working with the state government, and the reason it happened is because the government was supporting the KKK. You know, it wasn't like the government was like, we got to step in. Yeah, you got to read about this because people think there's a lot of fucking insane shit, race shit that happened after the Civil War. Like, just like terrible. Because you know that show on HBO, the the Watchmen reboot that they did? Yeah. There's a a scene in there where they describe that whole Tulsa thing uh, or they show people, black people getting killed, bombed on um, by planes. And people, I don't think most people think that that's, that actually happened. That's right. I had no fucking... idea that that happened until this year. I literally right. had no idea. No, I didn't know either. Yeah, yeah same. See, that's see, this, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. that's the shit <laughs> that they like. They just brush over in in history oh, class. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, none of this ever happened. Like, I am always consistently shocked on a weekly basis about what I didn't learn in school. Yeah, and even even as a black person, there's still a lot that I don't know and. Um, some of it I can't even like, I have to take it in small doses because it's one of those things that yeah. you don't, you don't realize how horrific things were, uh, for black people in America. And so as an African, as a Nigerian, um, African people sometimes, you know, come here and they're really industrious and they're smart and they went to school and all this stuff. And so they come here and, and you kind of have the mindset of, of an upper-class person who's above this kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking at the history can help. African people empathize and understand like, yo, black people in this country have been terrorized for centuries. And I mean, just like the worst stuff you can imagine. So you're telling me there was a black Wall Street where they were economically independent and white people bombed them to the ground and killed hundreds of black people? That happened after the Civil War? Like, I only learned about it a few years ago. And I was like, what the fuck? I learned about it from fucking Watchmen. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, yeah, it blows my mind. So it's like when when people are aware of these sort of uh, atrocious events and to know that these events weren't that long ago. I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. was shot not that long ago. So they can't just brush this stuff under the rug and be like, oh, things are okay now. No, they're not okay. Like racism is still, it's just a little bit different now. Now it's just cops get to kill black people and get away with it. Well, yeah, like part of what I've been disappointed by is like a lot of like upper middle class, older white Enneagram people that love to talk about inner work. But then like, you know, there's a sort of discomfort with, with taking a real stand. Yeah. And yeah. not being murky because it's like, oh, but you're being aggressive. And it's like, well, yeah, like part of inner work is like you don't you don't always do it right. You don't always find the right solutions and the right stands, but you need to like you need to live in the world of personality and you need to live in the inner world. And you have to do both at the same time. And like you can't be wishy-washy when 
like if you don't resist something like police violence or any of these economic factors and personal factors that we're talking about, if the resistance is not strong enough, it persists, but it gets a little bit more insidious because it gets just acceptable enough that it's not like, okay, black people aren't getting like hung up in the town square, but they're getting murdered by cops. And it's, yes. it takes a lot more education to show people how this, and therefore more work and time to mm-hmm. show people how this is the same thing as that. It's just changed form. And so if your resistance is not strong enough, it just makes the, the, the negative force stronger, you know? Yeah, it yeah. kind of it kind of reminds me of like uh, when you have an infection and you take antibiotics. Like if you right. stop it too soon, then the infection finds a way to like uh, get around those antibiotics, and now is like you can't take those antibiotics for it because it's just going to live through that. And right. yeah, I, th- I feel like it's the same thing. If you don't do all of the work, it's still going to stay, and but quieter and worse. And like so, you know, you go to these protests or you, like you don't know whatever, and you you have to you have to resist all these people with body armor and guns pointed at you. And like, yeah, you like, you have to stay awake in your inner life, but you have to do both. Like you, Mm -hmm. like, and like, there is a way I think that if, if, you know, you can be in contact with the humanity of the police performing inhuman actions, but you resist them from the body center with all your might, you know? And it's not like taking a stand itself is the negative thing. It's like when we take a stand and then we get stuck in a position and stop learning and stop being awake. It's like we take we we got to take a stand, but do the best we can. You know, like when it becomes a rigid inner dogma or just a tension or just a default, then we're asleep. But if like we have, like we have to keep learning and educating and wanting to see ourselves. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I mean, what what started me on my whole socialist thing was learning about the instincts. It was just like, oh shit, way our society is organized is not good for the human nervous system and our <laughs> alternative. So it's like we have to like. Can't get too stuck on anything as the solution, but you have to keep pushing. Yeah. I've uh I've never I've never had a gun pointed at me until last Monday. And I'll tell you wow. what, that's the most fucking terrifying shit I've ever experienced. And that will wake you up real quick. And that's why I'm I'm <laughs> so pissed. And that's why I'm inviting people to these protests. I'm like, get scared because yeah. you need to yeah. fucking be scared. Yeah, I I'll admit that I didn't get it until I had a gun pointed at me by a couple cops. Like yeah. I I like I had to be awakened to the seriousness of of my situation. Like back in the day, my sister was more aware of, you know, racial issues in this country than I was. And Crash had come out. I don't know what year that was. That, that was probably around 2006 or 2007. And that movie I saw it and I was like they're really playing this up like you know this racial thing that's that that was my honest impression of what was going on i thought it was a well-done movie but i felt like they were dramatizing the whole thing and little did i know that that movie was like underestimating the amount of sort of i didn't know i was not even it was like that experience opened my eyes to all the stuff that i had been experiencing that i had no idea about Mm -hmm. like that just shows how asleep that you can be even though you could be the target of something like this. So it's like discovering that was kind of like discovering my Enneagram type. It's like, yeah. oh, this whole thing had been going on this whole time. I didn't, ha- I didn't have any fucking clue. Can you tell that story of what happened? So I lived in, um, in 2006 or 2007. I was living in Austin and I'd moved. I was living in a nice part of town, white neighborhood. And I was outside of my apartment. And all of a sudden, two cops show up with their guns drawn. Mm-hmm. and asking me 
who I was and um, what I was doing there. And I said, I live here. And my roommates had a pit bull at the time, and I was taking the pit bull for a walk. And so I was like, I, I need to put this pit bull away. <laughs> so um, you're holding a dog, too. Yes. I'm <laughs> holding a dog, and I'm just, like, trying to be as calm you know, as possible. Oh, and, and I need to put my pit bull away, and I can go grab my ID, which my ID wouldn't really prove anything. But they wanted me to show my identification. I guess it would prove that I lived there. Um, and so I put put the dog away, and I came out and showed them my ID. And and then they put the guns away and, and said, yeah, well, someone had called the cops because um there had been some kind of burglary type of person and blah 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 sorry that you know whatever and that was that and then the next day uh the mailman came up to me and apologized because he said he had called the police on me because there was some black guy who they'd seen around who had been breaking into places and so he called the police because he thought i was breaking into my own apartment i usually take my dog to my break-ins too. Yeah. yeah. Imagine yeah. that. That's the thinking, best way to do it. Imagine that, not even thinking that through, that you had a dog with you. No yeah. <laughs> so it's, at the time, I think I had seen some stories in the news. There was like some black professor who was arrested in his own home because they suspected that he was breaking into his own home. And oh you God. read these things in the yeah. news and there's, as you just, for some reason, you just feel separated from it. It's like, yeah. That's just happening elsewhere. So, so having that experience made it so real for me that I, I just started, you know, I started reading and, and started looking into, I was like, you know what, Austin's, Austin's in Texas and Texas is super diverse. Why is it, why am I like the, always the one black person in every room that I go into? Why is Austin have four or 5% black people? So I started looking into like the city planning. So this became, this, this, this was an awakening to start to look at the conditions of why things that were the way why I was experiencing some of the things that I, I had experienced and made me realize that there were other weird things that had to do with me being black that I hadn't realized so that was a huge wake-up call and you know it just made me realize that the movie Crash that I saw and I thought was a huge they were making a big deal out of this race stuff was an understatement of what was going on <laughs> it's just so it's like I had an experience of like, like discovering my type basically like, oh, this is actually what's happening. This is how people feel about me because I'm black. You know, this is, it's not just a thing that's abstract out there that's happening to random people in the news that they're, that they're playing up for some reason. This is actually my life. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, yeah, it is a lot like realizing your type because it's fucking horrifying when you realize <laughs> how much bullshit goes on in the world. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, like, we should probably fun, switch fun gears. Stuff. <laughs> Super lighthearted, great. Yeah, that's cool. gonna be a fun episode to put out. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it'll be. I think it's. I think it's real important to you know talk about it, especially connecting it with. It's not separate from inner work and, and becoming aware, you know. And it's yeah. like yeah, it's, it's not same. even that. Like I think a lot of people I'll see respond to this kind of stuff is like, oh, you want me to think this and this and this, and it's like, no, you don't have to think anything. Just learn about history. Yes. Just and yet, learn facts. Mind. Learn yeah. information, yeah. You know, and 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 learn like how to uh, apply a different kind of reading than the automatic reading you you know in, interpretation of events. Like, look at things through different lenses, however you want. But you know, if you actually encounter the information, it's so blatant and there and unavoidable that you'll you'll if, unless you're a fucking idiot, you'll find something. 
uh, I think my friend sent me uh, like, you know, the hard times. It's like the onion, but funnier. Um, <laughs> he sent me this article that was like, yeah, well, if, like, you know, the head, it's like a joke headline. It was like, uh, if I'm not a racist, then why do I have so many like explanations for why I'm not racist? You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, and it's, it's this kind of thing where you have to like, you have to really insulate yourself to hold, hold your fucking ignorant. I mean, even going to school here, like you, you don't realize how much the, the school curriculum is just a bullshit sort of white ethnocentric kind of lie. Like they're not telling yeah. the full history of what happened, or uh, things are skewed to to paint white people and Europeans as heroic. When it's like you grow up, and if you actually do some digging yourself, you realize there's a whole another way of looking at things, and there's a whole bunch of shit that has to do with white and black history in this country that people don't want to know people don't want to talk about a lot of just horrific stuff that if people don't want to allow into their awareness that would completely change your perspective and yourself 